Why don't you turn there? I want to give you an update on Herman Chandler. And Soundteen, I just sent y'all a picture of him. I emailed it to y'all uh, from a couple of, uh, gosh, a couple of uh, weeks ago or a few months ago. Herman, I found out this morning, passed away last night. That, that's sad. Um, if you don't know Herman Chandler, he would sing, he sing in the choir, very faithful, uh, loved our church, loved you all. Uh, he's our first person in our church to pass away from COVID, so he was there in the ICU on a ventilator at Baptist Health. Tragic loss. He was so supportive of our family and loved our church. This, uh, David, if you remember, this is during uh, May, early May, and what, what was tough with Herman is he would always come and he was always so careful because uh, he, um, he would sing and then he would always go home. So he didn't want to be around anybody. But uh, I was very, very blessed by his ministry. So that, that is who we're talking about there. That's just a few months ago. But um, I do want to pray for his wife, Donna. Um, they, uh, they've just, uh, this has been very difficult because she has not been able to see him. She's only been able to FaceTime him there at the hospital. So that makes it even more difficult and challenging. So we're going to pray for Donna and, um, and their family. Also, I want to pray for our nation. We're uh, inaugurating a new president on Wednesday. There's just a lot going on here in the United States. Uh, so we will have a new president, President Joe Biden, and a new vice president, Kamala Harris, on Wednesday. So it's a very uh, tense time, at least in nation's capitals, even here in Frankfurt. As you, can, as you know, if you read the news or follow the news, as well as today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, uh, 48 years ago. Um, it was a Roe v. Wade decision and on January 22nd, 1973. And there's been roughly 55 to 60 million abortions here in America. So we do want to pray for um, our Supreme Court to overrule that decision. So the Bible tells us and commands us, reminds us that human life does begin at inception, God is the author and the creator of life. That, I'll be truthful, that's actually, when I go to the voting booth, that is the most important reason when I vote. I actually, that's my standard of all standards on, on, uh, on politics, because I think, you know, if um, you think, and we'll get into this even in the message, uh, when you don't value life, then everything else goes downhill. And that's, God has the creator of life, and we as Bible-believing Christians, we have to support that, and ultimately we communicate those who are living that eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. So that's why it's important for us to obviously be a voice for the unborn with that. So uh, we're going to pray for Herman's family, we're going to pray for our nation, the new inauguration coming up Wednesday, and we're going to pray for abortion clinics and uh, for that they will close, and that um, are for our Supreme Court, because ultimately that's what will change that, and for uh, uh, um, crises pregnancy centers throughout America, because they minister to folks in crises pregnancies with that. So let's bow our heads and pray for all three of these requests. Lord, we come to you right now praying for the many needs here in our church families. It's so sad to hear our first... Our first COVID victim was Herman Chandler. Lord, I just pray for his wife, Donna. Lord, I thank you for how faithful he was. And I would go to the store and he'd help me get some clothes at the suit store. Lord, we just pray for his uh, family as um, they lost someone so special, so supportive of our church. 
and loved you. I just lift him up. He loved our choir. Lord, we pray for Donna. Um, Lord, as she's grieving right now, I just, uh, it's so tragic. Lord, we pray for their upcoming funeral memorial service. Lord, I just pray that you will just heal their family. And Lord, we know that he is in your presence. He is with you right now. He's singing in heaven. Lord, I thank you for the four years I had the opportunity to know Herman. Lord, we pray for our nation. It's Wednesday. We have a new president, a new vice president. Lord, it's such a tense time, such a, a divisive time. Lord, we pray that we don't get sucked into politics, that our focus is on you, Jesus. You alone create, raise up, and make nations fall. Lord, we first are believers. Second, we are Americans. We do pray for President Biden. We pray that he will seek after you. And Lord, that he will seek you in every decision he makes. Lord, we also know that today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. It's a day that we remember what happened in 1973 with a 9-7-2 or decision at the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade. Lord, abortion has claimed the lives of many many Americans. Lord, we pray for those that are struggling with crises, pregnancies. Lord, we pray that we, as a church and as believers, we can be a positive voice in reminding folks that, Lord, life begins in the womb. Lord, you are the creator of life. And we have to be a voice for that. Lord, we want to be a voice politically as well as a voice when we have the opportunity to speak up what the Bible says. Lord, we know that even back in Bible times, with Pharaoh and with Herod, there was infanticide going on. And Lord, this is, we are, this is the reality of a fallen world. Of a world where folks, maybe they do not see the importance of children, and young children, especially infants. Lord, I pray that we as a church, we will be a bold light of standing on the Word of God, even and be a voice for those for who are not yet born. Lord, we just pray for the many things here going on in our nation and our church. And Lord, I just pray for Your hand and Your blessing upon this Word. And You seal these words in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible there in Joshua chapter 24, with, this is the second part of a four-part sermon series on being rebuilt. Rebuild is the title. Today we're going to be talking about rebuilding the family. Do you know if we took a survey and a poll right now, we went around, we would all know that some of us have family members who are not next to us in church. They might be at work, they might be at home in bed, they are away from God. Maybe they were raised in church, but they are not here. And I know in your prayer life, you are faithful in praying for your family. If you look at our Wednesday night prayer list that I email out every single um, uh, Friday, you see our prayer list. Those names on those prayer lists, most of them were requested by family members. Whether that's for folks to get saved, that's for folks who are battling with disease and sickness. We have a home you live in a home with people who maybe are on a different spiritual level than you. 
You have maybe some, Jesus tells us at the second coming, there will be two people in a bed. One will be taken and another left behind. Meaning, he's saying you will live in a house where some will have a relationship with Jesus. You might be married to someone who lacks a relationship with Jesus. You have children or grandchildren. Here we are in the middle of January and they are not thinking whatsoever about the Lord. They are not there spiritually. And your heart breaks for them. You did not raise them that way. They are first and foremost on your prayer life. And what we're about to see here in the Bible is God tells us that we are responsible for our home. Listen, what happens in Washington, all I feel like I can do is vote and pray. Every day it's something new. What happens in Frankfurt? We vote and pray. What happens here in our city, in our community, in our world we live in? Who gets COVID? All we can do is trust the Lord. I don't even have my mask. Wear our mask. Do the best we can. So much is out of our control. We have no control. All we can control is, our is ourselves and your home. You have control of your home. We talked about, we'll be voting, we'll, we'll, we, we won't actually do the ordination service, but next week we'll have the opportunity to or, or vote to ordain Raphael Jubin to the ministry. He, God's called him to the ministry, he graduated with his doctorate degree last month, and this is the next step for him serving the Lord. God's faithfully raised him up. And one of the requirements for being a minister, as well as being a deacon, is that you Raise your household, your family in the Lord. That means your family comes to church. Something's wrong if you come, you come to church by yourself. Guys, let me say that again. If you're coming here and you're realizing my wife, my children, the grandkids, other people in my house, they're still in bed. Something is wrong with that picture. God expects us as believers to raise our families and our households. We point them to Jesus. We have a, established a Christ-centered home. When folks walk into your house, they should know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What we're about to see here in our Bibles is the, the Scriptures are going to tell us that we need to make sure, maybe this past 10 months since we've been going through the pandemic in this unique time, that your family at one point was very committed to the Bible, committed to church, committed to serving the Lord, but for whatever reason, they got out of the habit. You know, I've said it over and over, going to church, spiritual disciplines, it's a habit. You get out of that habit, it is hard to restart. You break your diet, it's hard to restart. You retire, you've been retired for a few years, it's hard to go back to work because you've been doing whatever you want to do. And now you start, it's, when you get out of that, it's difficult. What we're about to see here in the Bible is I want to go tell you the story of a man named Joshua. Joshua was the assistant. He came after 
Moses. Moses passed away, and he discipled and raised up his assistant named Joshua. And Joshua is nearing his death. Joshua lived to be 110 years old. And Joshua's making kind of a, a vow renewal service among the Israelites. They have just entered the promised land. They're a young nation. They're trusting the Lord. And he's about to go be with, the father, be with his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses. Just like Brother Herman passed away last night. He's now going into glory. And he wants, he wants to have a message to his family. Many times, when folks pass away... They want to be gathered around their family and they have words with them. And those words are usually Scripture. They're admonishing them to continue in the Lord. They're blessing them, saying, listen, I, I trained you in the, in the ways of how to be saved and have a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're going to see here in the Scriptures. We're going to see these final words of what Joshua says and how he wants his family, his house, to worship the Lord. And that should be our prayer. And our goal this morning is for us to see how important it is that you start doing outreach. You start having a broken spirit. You start doing ministry, really, at your home. Think about it. You've got your parents... Your grandparents, your children, your, your aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, your grandchildren. Do you have any of those people whom God has put in your life, you are related to, that do not know the Lord? And if you do, the Lord is using you, raising you up so that you can be a witness of the gospel to them. That's what we're about to see here. Look here in your Bibles. Joshua chapter 24, verse 11. God's Word says, You then cross, what he's doing is he's recapping the entire story of Israel's history. Israel's history was one that, well, who brought them into the promised land was not their great military skills whatsoever. In fact, they were pitiful at their military skills. What brought them into the promised land was God. God fought their battles. God fights our battles. We have to trust the Lord. We trust our families to the Lord. We trust our nation to the Lord. We trust our lives to the Lord. And that's what this, this chapter 24 is about. They're recapping how God has brought them this far. You then crossed, this is Joshua speaking, the Jordan and came to Jericho. Jericho's citizens, as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hethites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, these are people who do not worship the Lord. They all fought against you, but I handed them over to you. The Lord is saying, it was me that gave you victory. I sent hornets. That word hornets meant that you can translate that word. Some of your Bibles use the word, I sent terror. That means when the Israelites came and fought Jericho, that first city they took in the promised land, because they showed up in the promised land, and there were all these peoples already there. God went before them and terrorize the people to help them win battles. That's what that word hornets means. I sent hornets ahead of you, and they drove out the two Amorite kings before you, 
It was not by your sword or bow. I gave you a land that you did not labor for, and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you are eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. God is reminding the Israelites. Joshua is reminding them, guys, this isn't your battle. You didn't do this. It was all the Lord. Everything you, everything you see here, that God has brought us into this land, it was because of the Lord. We can say the same about the United States of America. God has established our country, has brought us and placed us here. It wasn't because we were great. It was because of the Lord. That's why we want a nation. We want to elect the leaders that serve and honor the Lord. Look at verse 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Look at this. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors that you worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. That's important because the reason why Joshua is telling them to get rid of these other gods, that meant it still was going on. They showed up. They come into the promised land and you get there and there's this idol worship and false worship going on. And it's, when that's going on in your community, it's easy for that to creep into your house. If there's drugs and immorality in Lexington, do you know what can happen? It can creep into Christians' life here. Here in your home, in your family. If there's sin around our community, next thing you know, it comes into your home. If there's filth on your TV and on your internet and on your phone and computer, do you know what happens? You will have family members. They are watching and consuming that. It has crept into your home. And what's happened here is the Israelites have entered into the promised land. And all of a sudden, some of them, they walk around and think, well, the Lord won the battle, but here's their idols. Is this what they worship? I think I'll take this too. It was slowly creeping back. Even though the first commandment is worship only the Lord, and the second commandment is you do not have any idols, that was what was coming into the Israelite camp. And Joshua is reminding them, listen, do not allow the culture around you to be a detriment to your spiritual life. It will destroy you. Just like for us, it destroys your family. Immorality, drugs, Netflix, the internet, video games, movies. It is easy all of a sudden for these things to creep into your home and it destroys your family. It can become an addiction. It can lead them away from their desires for the Lord. That's what's going on. Because you, you, we read this and say, Pastor, I don't struggle with idol worship. I don't struggle with worshiping another God. Folks, if you, if you do not have a desire on Sundays... To worship the Lord. If you don't have a desire to hear God's Word. If you don't have a brokenness for maybe family and kids and grandchildren. 
that are not in church, and you've just kind of accepted, well, that's who they are. Something is spiritually wrong in your life. All that matters is God. We live as believers a God-centered life. Look what Joshua says here in verse 15. Look what he tells us to do. So now he set up the situation. And now this is how we respond. Verse 15 tells us, But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. So he's giving them an option. He says, you've got a choice. What type of person are you going to be? Choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? Gods of your ancestors that worship beyond the Euphrates River? That's called Babylon. That's, just the, that's what we see in the book of Revelation. It's the, beyond the Euphrates River. Those that did not worship the Lord. Or the gods of the Amorites. That's the people group that was living there in Canaan. Whose land you're living. I mean, they were living among people who were worshiping false gods. And then look what Joshua says. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. As for me and my family, meaning you have to make a choice. You have to choose who you're going to worship. But for my family, for my house, for those that I have influence and ownership over, I own this home, we are going to be a house that worships the Lord. When you step into my house, come into your house, it's a Christ-centered home. And you don't make any apologies. We are not obligated to allow filth into your home. It might be going on. We can't control what goes on out in the world. You can control your house. And if you want a family that worships the Lord, you have to get rid of the practices that was occurring back in Egypt. The moral sins and filth that was going on in the old times that God delivered the Israelites from. He says, you don't need to bring that into your family today. Joshua is saying, there's this false worship all around. This idol worship that was in Egypt. And amidst all this false worship, you and your family must choose to worship the Lord. Every day we have to make this choice. You want to establish a home. You want to establish your family that daily says, this is, this is going to be a house. That honors God. You cannot keep your family, your house in a bubble. It's not possible. You can try as much as you want to. But the truth is, our world is going to be the world. We cannot, expe we cannot expect a lost, non-Christian world to live by Christian values. You cannot expect politicians in Washington that do not worship the Lord to make godly decisions. They're not. They're just not going to do it. So we shouldn't have that expectation. But we can expect our family, that which we have influence over, to hold to a standard that the Bible commands us to hold to. We are called at a higher level. The world's going to do what the world's going to do. But your house doesn't have to be worldly. No excuse for it. And we do not need to pay and encourage garbage to come in through satellites and through internet. You're inviting this stuff into your house. And then you wonder, 
Why is my house in the state that it is? You're encouraging the world to come in. Our responsibility as believers is we teach and we lead our households to serve the Lord. Joshua is teaching the people here that they've never really have completed, completely rid of themselves of the idols. The idol worship is still there. It's still around here. You don't have to look hard to find idol worship. And what it is, is Joshua saying, it's God or nothing. You choose. Because idol worship, the worldliness of today, that's what I mean when I say idol worship. It offers you nothing. It leads you down a road that you will be destroyed. Your children, your grandchildren will be destroyed. It, it's, it will be enticing. It will be tempting. But it leaves folks empty. Sincere worship cannot take place when other gods are present. And that's why in verse 14, he says, You worship the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Sincerity means I have gotten rid of everything else around. Lord, I've come to you with a clean heart. In truth, we worship the God of the Bible. You want truth, you open up your Bible. God speaks to us through truth. Flip over in your Bibles to the book of Psalm. Psalm 27. This is going to be our last scripture. We're going to read all five verses of this. This is important because God tells us who needs to build a house. We build our house upon the Lord. And maybe your house is starting to show cracks from COVID, from the past 10 months, from the shutdown. The, the, the foundation is starting to get shaky. And God here is telling us that we are reminded that it's the Lord that builds our house. You know, um, in Georgia, when I pastored that church, First Baptist Moreland, Georgia, nearby, very close to the church, was a family. And they had, I think, five kids, because they had more than we did. And um, they were what I would call a working-class family. Uh, they lived in a house near the church. And they were just good folks. He worked in construction, and she stayed home and raised five children. And they didn't have a lot. And they were at the church every time the doors were open. They were very faithful. They came to Sunday school, came to worship, came Sunday night to Wana program, came to Wednesday night kids programs. We have a Wednesday night dinners. Anytime there was opportunity, this young family, they were there. And, and they struggled. Our church helped them out with Christmas presents, and we helped them out in different areas. Maybe every from time to time they would need a bill paid, and we did that. And folks in the church would step up and, and, and help meet some needs in their house. And I was, I was proud of that. And I remember uh, this young mother was telling me, um, I believe it was right around baby dedication, because she was dedicating babies left and right, it seemed like. Uh, there, but we were like on baby number five, and she made the comment, like before the service started, she says, Daniel, you know, me and my husband, I won't say their name, but we, we don't have a lot. I mean, we don't have a lot to give them material. They're not going to get a lot of great vacations and great things in life. They're not going to get a paid-for college education. My husband and I, we don't have these things. But I can give them a loving home, and I can give them church and i will say they were at church 
all the time. And they literally walked to church. They were so close. And I've always thought of that, what they said, what that young mother told me. That's all she had. A loving home, parents who loved their children, and a church that they brought them to. They walked across the street and came to. And you think about that. Folks, what else do we need? What else do we need? You've got a loving family. And you've got a church family, a home, that they were always coming and worshiping the Lord. Those kids came to our church and got saved and baptized and grew up and know the Lord even today. And I think for us, for your family, can you get to arrive at that point where you say, I love my family. You love your children, your grandchildren, and you want them in church. That's it. What more do we need? Things are just idols of the day. Possessions, money, trips, vacations. They're, they're empty. It leaves nothing. A loving family. A loving church. That's what God wants to build your house with. Look here. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Guys, you can work, work, work. You can earn everything and give your children everything they want. Pay and buy anything they want for their birthdays, Christmas presents. Send them to the nicest schools. And then they get 25, 30 years old and they abandon all that. And you haven't given them what they needed the most. And they needed a loving home, parents that, and grandparents and family members that supported and loved them. And they need to be in church, a Christ-centered home. And they come to church every time the doors are open and learn about the Lord. If you are working, you set the stop and say, am I laboring in vain? Am I working for my family for things that do not matter? Guys, the Lord builds your house. Has the Lord built your home? Your home that you're about to leave here soon. And you will go home too. When you walk through that threshold, and when you walk in in an hour or so, 30 minutes, however long it takes you, when you get there, I want you to stop and say, has the Lord built this home? Online folks, you're sitting at home. Has the Lord built your home? Not has a construction company built it. Not has a renovations company. Has your home that you have to say, this is a Christ-centered home. When folks come here, they should know, as for me and my house, we worship the Lord. We serve the Lord. When people come and visit my house, they live by the standards of the Lord. They know when they walk in, this is a holy home. We don't bring moral filth. We don't bring that garbage of the world into this place. You have control over your house. And the God wants to build your house, build your family for Him. Keep going here in your Bible. 
Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchmen stay alert in vain. That's what we need for our nation. Unless the Lord, unless the Lord leads the United States, we are just in vain. We're doomed. America needs desperate for revival. And that, that is our only hope right now is the Lord. In vain, you get up early and you stay up late. I mean, you work so hard. You're so diligent for the wrong things. That's what the psalmist is saying. Here's what Solomon, he wrote this psalm. He's saying, you're just doing it in vain. Working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the ones he loves. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Offspring or reward, we value children. It's a blessing to have children and grandchildren. You point them and teach them about Jesus. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Do you know what that means? That means maybe you have children or grandchildren. It's like an arrow. When you, It's been a long time since I've shot a bow and arrow, but you have your bow and arrow, and you pull it back and you shoot it. And it goes hopefully a long way. And it hits the target wherever it's going. You shoot your arrow. Nowadays, they would, if they were writing the Bible now, 2,000 years, they would say, you point your gun in the right direction. But back in Bible times, it wasn't a gun, it was an arrow. You shot an arrow. What Solomon is saying, your children and grandchildren, you point them where they need to go. Like if they need to go to church, guess who brings your children to church? You do. You help shape. If your children have friends that are grandchildren that are a bad influence, you need to step in and say, you don't need to hang around these folks. You are responsible for where you point your children, your grandchildren, and your family to. It's like a warrior's arrow. You're setting the direction. You might not have authority to do that in any other area of your life, but you've got it at your house. God is building your house. Your family is the Lord's. If you can't come to church in person, you gather them up around the computer and the TV and you watch and you worship at home. You make worship a priority. On Sundays at your house, it should not wonder, gosh, do we, do we go to church today? Is the day that we... We wonder, no, you've already, there's no question. You don't wake up and wonder, the the Lord's day is called Sunday. Jesus Christ was resurrected on a Sunday morning, and we come every week to remember that resurrection. When Herman passed away last night, he confidently stood in front of the Lord because he was saved, because the tomb is empty. It was empty. And Herman trusted Christ as his Savior. And one day, you want to have a funeral service with your pastor saying, such and such knew the Lord. Herman is now in the presence of Jesus Christ. That you want to be said, and you want to be in your life the same case, and in your family's life too. Do you know we will see our family again in heaven? You need to be praying your family to Christ if they are not saved. Any and every opportunity, it falls to you to make sure your house is one that's built by the Lord. Keep going here. 
Last verse, verse 5. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with him. Children are a blessing from God. It's good. It's good for children to be at church. Children need to be at this church every time the doors are open. Broadway Baptist Church needs to have a dynamic children and youth ministry here. You should be joyed, over, overjoyed when you see children walking down the hallways of Broadway Baptist Church. Because there's a million and one other places they could be, but they need to be here learning about God, worshiping God. I'd rather have misbehaving children at church than no children at church. We don't want them too mad misbehave, but you, the point is you want, you want folks to be here learning about the Lord. Yes, children are going to mis, be misbehaving. Yes, there's going to be some silliness. Yes, folks are going to be running around stealing candy. That's going to happen. That's what children do. They're going to come and eat out of the cookie jar. I did it, you do it. Or you did it. Some of you might still do it. But the principle is, as for me and my house, we worship the Lord. A church family includes all ages. And I want to I conclude this message. And this is really where it hits home. Some of you, you all have family members. And guys, I'm going to be truthful. They need to get saved. They need to be in God's house. They are not reading their Bible. They are not saved. They do not have confidence when they stand before God, they're going to heaven. And I want you to start praying your family to Christ. Your family, that is not where they need to be spiritually. It's easy to blame everything else and all the false worship going around and the bad influences. But what about you? Are you praying your family to Christ? Is your spouse here? Is your spouse saved? Is your future spouse, if you're single, are you praying for the person you're going to marry? Are you praying for your children and your grandchildren's future spouse? God established the family. The three institutions He established. Remember, first was the family. Next was the church. And thirdly, he established government. And he wants influence in all three of those areas. Most importantly is the family. The family that worships together. The family that reads scripture together. The family that prays together is the family that stays together. They are a Christ-centered, Bible-centered family. Two things up here on the board. Two steps. If you want to rebuild your family this year, maybe we're talking about rebuild your family and you have realized my family has cracked. They aren't where they need to be spiritually. Number one, you must take care of your own soul. Guys, you can't expect your family to do something you're not doing. You can't go home and be a hypocrite. Remember, folks in your house know about hypocrisy. It's hard to be a bold witness at home and say one thing if you're living another way. Because they see, they know how you act. You have to take care of your own soul. Meaning, they, they, folks at your house know if you have a daily quiet time. They know if you walk the walk of Jesus Christ. Your spiritual health is impaired to the health of your family. You want, you, you want your home to be more God-centered? You become more God-centered. Number two, you must set expectations. Those who live in your house, those who visit your house, need to know what's not allowed 
And Sunday will be a day of worship. They're on your terms. The expectation, this is a Christ-centered home. Do you know if I, I don't ever go into any Muslims' homes, but if I went into a Muslim home, I would expect things would be going on at their house that would be according to their standards. You wouldn't see things that would be breaking Muslim law. If I went to a Hindu's house, I would expect the same. If you went to a Buddhist house, you would see this is a Buddhist, this is what they worship, there's a statue of Buddha. If you go into a Christian's home, you as a Bible-believing Christian, there is no reason for you to ever be apologetic for saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Christ is calling you to set an expectation for your home, for your family that worships the Lord. I want to pray for your family right now. Because I know some of you have come to me and says, Daniel, there's fa- I have family members. You have family members. They are not where they need to be spiritually. They are lost. And you know what that means. They will die and be eternally separated from God. Evangelism and outreach, guys, it starts at your home. Let's pray for your family right now. God, I pray for those here this morning. Their house needs to be rebuilt. There's people who have someone who's living in their home that they do not know you. Their children have, a, have walked away from the faith. They've walked away from knowing the Lord, you Lord. I pray that we as believers, we as a church body, will have families and homes that are Christ-centered, unapologetically. Lord, you tell us that you build the house. Lord, build our homes. Make my house a godly home. Let children, grandchildren, family, and friends, relatives come to our homes and see our house is different. We have not allowed the stuff from Egypt, the sin of our culture, to be crept into our life and influence it. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that maybe they know they need to get more serious about praying their families members, their children and grandchildren to come to you, their spouse to come to you. I pray this year they will make that commitment. The rebuilding starts with that. Lord, I pray this invitation. If there's anybody here, they need to get saved in themselves. Their house is not a Christ-centered house. Lord, I pray this invitation will be their opportunity to respond to you. Lord, we give you this service. We thank you for our church. We thank you for building our homes and our families around you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We close every single service with an invitation. I want you to respond to Jesus. If you want to make Broadway Baptist Church your church home, Brother Hurt and I stand down front waiting for you to respond. Let's stand together. And online folks, you just send us a message. Fill out our online connection card.